Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad Baruch Shem Kehud Malkuto Le'olam Va'ed Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the glory of His kingdom forever and ever. Amen. Good morning, Mishpacha. Welcome to the Daily Audio Torah. I'm Laura Densmore, your host, and I'm so glad you're joining in with me today. Today is Monday, May 8th. Torah was meant to be lived out in community and in the context of relationships. A very effective way to study the Bible is in small groups, doing a midrash or discussion. This helps you to go deeper into the Word as you take time to reflect on it, make connections from one scripture to another, and apply the scriptures to your personal walk. We have added a new feature on the Daily Audio Torah website. If you are involved in a small group Bible study or would like to start one, we can help you. We have added discussion questions for you to use when your group gathers. We will post discussion questions for every Shabbat reading, and they will be posted on the website a week in advance so you have time to read and prepare ahead of time. We have also posted guidelines for leaders and facilitators to help you grow your small group in a healthy way. Just go to the new pick on the menu, Discussion Questions, and you will find everything you need there to nurture and grow your small group. We also offer coaching support if you need help or have questions. See the guidelines for Leaders PDF for details. Have fun learning and growing in God's Word together in your small group. Now let's continue our journey through the entire Bible in one year. This week we are reading from the Israel Bible for the Hebrew Scriptures and from the King James for the Brit Hadashah. Today we continue the Torah portion, Bahar, and it means on the mount, and also Bekukotoy, and it means in my statutes. Leviticus 25, 34-55 But the unenclosed land about their cities cannot be sold, for that is their holding for all time. If your kinsman, being in straits, comes under your authority, and you hold him as though a resident alien, let him live by your side. Do not exact from him advance or accrued interest, but fear your God. Let him live by your side as your kinsman. Do not lend him money at advance interest, or give him your food at accrued interest. I Hashem am your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt to give you the land of Canaan, to be your God. If your kinsman under you continues in straits, and you must give himself over to you, do not subject him to the treatment of a slave. He shall remain with you as a hired or bound laborer. He shall serve with you only until the Jubilee year. Then he and his children with him shall be free of your authority, He shall go back to his family and return to his ancestral holding. For they are my servants whom I freed from the land of Egypt. 
they may not give themselves over into servitude. You shall not rule over him ruthlessly. You shall fear your God. Such male and female slaves as you may have, it is from the nations round about you that you may acquire male and female slaves. You may also buy them from among the children of aliens resident among you, or from their families that are among you, whom they begot in your land. These shall become your property. You may keep them as a possession for your children after you, for them to inherit as property for all time. Such you may treat as slaves, but as for your Israelite kinsmen, no one shall rule ruthlessly over the other. If a resident alien among you has prospered and your kinsman, being in straits, comes under his authority and gives himself over to the resident alien among you, or to an offshoot of an alien's family, he shall have the right of redemption even after he has given himself over. One of his kinsmen shall redeem him, or his uncle or his uncle's son shall redeem him, or any one of his family who is of his own flesh shall redeem him or, if he prospers, he may redeem himself. He shall compute with his purchaser the total from the year he gave himself over to him until the jubilee year. The price of his sale shall be applied to the number of years, as though it were for a term as a hired laborer under the other's authority. If many years remain, he shall pay back for his redemption in proportion to his purchase price. And if a few years remain until the jubilee year, he shall so compute. He shall make payment for his redemption according to the years involved. He shall be under his authority as a laborer hired by the year. He shall not rule ruthlessly over him in your sight. If he has not been redeemed in any of those ways, he and his children with him shall go free in the jubilee year. For it is to me that the Israelites are servants. They are my servants whom I freed from the land of Egypt. I, Hashem, your God. First Samuel 2, 22-4, Now Eli was very old. When he heard all that his sons were doing to all Israel and how they lay with the women who performed tasks at the entrance of the tent of meeting, he said to them, Why do you do no such things? I get evil reports about you from the people on all hands. Don't, my sons. It is no favorable report I hear the people of Hashem spreading about. If a man sins against a man, Hashem may pardon him. But if a man offends Hashem, who can obtain pardon for him? But they ignored their father's plea, for Hashem was resolved that they should die. Young Samuel, meanwhile, grew in esteem and favor both with Hashem and with men. A man of Hashem came to Eli and said to him, Thus said Hashem, Lo, I revealed myself to your father's house in Egypt when they were subject to the house of Pharaoh. And I chose them from among all the tribes of Israel to be my Kohanim, to ascend my altar, to burn incense, and to carry an ephod before me. And I assigned to your father's house all offerings by fire of the Israelites. Why then do you maliciously trample upon the sacrifices and offerings that I have commanded? You have honored your sons more than me, feeding on the first portions of every offering of my people, Israel. Assuredly, declares Hashem, the God of Israel, 
I intended for you and your father's house to remain in my service forever. But now, declares Hashem, far be it from me, for I honor those who honor me, but those who spurn me shall be dishonored. A time is coming when I will break your power and that of your father's house, and there shall be no elder in your house. You will gaze grudgingly at all the bounty that will be bestowed on Israel, but there shall never be an elder in your house. I shall not cut off all your offspring from my altar, but to make your eyes pine and your spirit languish, all the increase in your house shall die as ordinary men. And this shall be a sign for you, the fate of your two sons, Hophni and Phinehas. They shall both die on the same day. And I will raise up for myself a faithful Kohen, who will act in accordance with my wishes and my purposes. I will build for him an enduring house, and he shall walk before my anointed evermore. And all the survivors of your house shall come and bow low to him for the sake of a money fee and a loaf of bread, and shall say, Please, assign me to one of the priestly duties, that I may have a morsel of bread to eat. Young Samuel was in the service of Hashem under Eli. In those days the word of Hashem was rare. Prophecy was not widespread. One day Eli was asleep in his usual place. His eyes began to fail, and he could hardly see. The lamp of Hashem had not yet gone out, and Samuel was sleeping in the temple of Hashem when the ark of Hashem was. Hashem called out to Samuel, and he answered, I'm coming. He ran to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. But he replied, I didn't call you, go back to sleep. So he went back and lay down. Again Hashem called Samuel. Samuel rose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. But he replied, I didn't call my son, go back to sleep. Now Samuel had not yet experienced Hashem. The word of Hashem had not yet been revealed to him. Hashem called Samuel again a third time, and he rose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. Then Eli understood that Hashem was calling the boy. And Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down. If you are called again, say, Speak, Hashem, for your servant is listening. And Samuel went to his place and lay down. Hashem came and stood there, and he called, as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel answered, Speak, for your servant is listening. Hashem said to Samuel, I am going to do in Israel such a thing that both ears of anyone who hears about it will tingle. In that day I will fulfill against Eli all that I spoke concerning his house, from beginning to end. And I declare to him that I sentence his house to endless punishment for the iniquity he knew about, how his sons committed sacrilege at will, and he did not rebuke them. Assuredly, I swear concerning the house of Eli that the iniquity of the house of Eli will never be expiated by sacrifice or offering. Samuel lay there until morning, and then he opened the doors of the house of Hashem. Samuel was afraid to report the vision to Eli. But Eli summoned Samuel and said, Samuel, my son, and he answered, Here. And Eli asked, What did he say to you? 
keep nothing from me. Thus and more may Hashem do to you if you keep from me a single word of all that he said to you. Samuel then told him everything, withholding nothing from him. And Eli said, He is Hashem, he will do what he deems right. Samuel grew up, and Hashem was with him. He did not leave any of Samuel's predictions unfulfilled. All Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, knew that Samuel was trustworthy as a Navi of Hashem. And Hashem continued to appear at Shiloh. Hashem revealed himself to Samuel at Shiloh with the word of Hashem. And Samuel's word went forth to all Israel. Israel marched out to engage the Philistines in battle, and they encamped near Evan ha Ezer, while the Philistines encamped at Aphek. And the Philistines arrayed themselves against Israel, and when the battle was fought, Israel was routed by the Philistines, who slew about 4,000 men on the field of battle. When the Israelite troops returned to the camp, the elders of Israel asked, Why did Hashem put us to rout today before the Philistines? Let us fetch the ark from Shiloh. Thus he will be present among us and will deliver us from the hands of our enemies. So the troops sent men to Shiloh. There Eli's two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, were in charge of the ark, and they brought down from there the ark of the Lord of hosts, Yahweh Saveot, enthroned on the Keravim. When the ark entered the camp, all Israel burst into a great shout, so that the earth resounded. The Philistines heard the noise of the shouting, and they wondered, Why is there such a loud shouting in the camp of the Hebrews? And when they learned that the ark of Hashem had come to the camp, the Philistines were frightened, for they said, Hashem has come to the camp. And they cried, Woe to us! Nothing like this has ever happened before. Woe to us! Who will save us from the power of this mighty Hashem? He is the same Hashem who struck the Egyptians with every kind of plague in the wilderness. Brace yourselves and be men, O Philistines, or you will become slaves to the Hebrews as they were slaves to you. Be men and fight. The Philistines fought. Israel was routed, and they all fled to their homes. The defeat was very great. Thirty thousand foot soldiers of Israel fell there. The Ark of Hashem was captured, and Eli's two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, were slain. A Benjamite ran from the battlefield and reached Shiloh the same day. His clothes were rent, and there was earth on his head. When he arrived, he found Eli sitting on a seat, waiting beside the road, his heart trembling for the Ark of Hashem. The man entered the city to spread the news, and the whole city broke out in a cry. And when Eli heard the sound of the outcry and asked, What is the meaning of this uproar? The man rushed over to tell Eli. Now Eli was ninety-eight years old. His eyes were fixed in a blind stare. The man said to Eli, I am the one who came from the battlefield. I have just fled from the battlefield. Eli asked, What happened, my son? The bearer of the news replied, Israel fled before the Philistines, and the troops also suffered a great slaughter. Your two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, are dead, and the Ark of Hashem has been captured. When he mentioned the Ark of Hashem, Eli fell backward off the seat beside the gate, broke his neck, and died, for he was an old man and heavy. 
he had been a chieftain of Israel for forty years. His daughter-in-law, the wife of Phinehas, was with child, about to give birth. When she heard the report that the Ark of Hashem was captured and that her father-in-law and her husband were dead, she was seized with labor pains and she crouched down and gave birth. As she lay dying, the women attending her said, Do not be afraid, for you have borne a son. But she did not respond or pay heed. She named the boy Ichabod, meaning, The glory has departed from Israel, referring to the capture of the Ark of Hashem and to the death of her father-in-law and her husband. The glory is gone from Israel, she said, for the Ark of Hashem has been captured. John 5, 24-47 Verily, verily, I, Yeshua, say unto you, He that hears my word and believes on him that sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Verily, verily, I say unto you, The hour is coming, and now is, when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live. For as the Father has life in himself, so has he given to the Son to have life in himself, and has given him authority to execute judgment also, because he is the Son of Man. Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming, in the which all that are in the grave shall hear his voice, and shall come forth. They that have done good, unto the resurrection of life, and they that have done evil, unto the resurrection of damnation. I can of my own self do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just, because I seek not my own will, but the will of the Father which has sent me. If I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. There is another that bears witness of me, and I know that the witness which he witnesses of me is true. You sent to John, and he bore witness unto the truth. But I receive not testimony from man, but these things I say that you might be saved. He was a burning and a shining light, and you were willing for a season to rejoice in his light. But I have a greater witness than that of John, for the works which the Father has given me to finish, the same works that I do, bear witness of me, that the Father has sent me. And the Father himself, which has sent me, has borne witness of me. You have neither heard his voice at any time, nor seen his shape, and you have not his word abiding in you, for whom he has sent him ye believe not. Search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. And you will not come to me that you might have life. I receive not honor from men, but I know you, that you have not the love of God in you. I am come in my Father's name, and you receive me not. If another shall come in his own name, him you will receive. How can you believe which receive honor one of another, and seek not the honor that comes from God only? Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one that accuses you, even Moses, in whom you trust. Or had you believed Moses, 
you would have believed me, for he wrote of me. But if you believe not his writings, how shall you believe my words? Psalm 106, 1-12 Praise ye the Lord. O give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Who can utter the mighty acts of the Lord? Who can show forth all his praise? Blessed are they that keep judgment, and he that does righteousness at all times. Remember me, O Lord, with the favor that you bear unto the people. O visit me with your salvation, that I may see the good of your chosen, that I may rejoice in the gladness of your nation, that I may glory with your inheritance. We have sinned with our fathers, we have committed iniquity, we have done wickedly. Our fathers understood not your wonders in Egypt. They remembered not the multitude of your mercies, but provoked him at the sea, even at the Red Sea. Nevertheless he saved them for his name's sake, that he might make his mighty power to be known. He rebuked the Red Sea also, and it was dried up. So he led them through the depths, as through the wilderness. And he saved them from the hand of him that hated them, and redeemed them from the hand of the enemy. And the waters covered their enemies. There was not one of them left. Then believed they his words. They sang his praise. Proverbs 14, 30 and 31 A sound heart is the life of the flesh, but envy the rottenness of the bones. He that oppresses the poor reproaches his Maker, but he that honors him has mercy on the poor. I'd like to speak to you today from our Torah portion reading from Leviticus 25, and then we're going to jump into 1 Samuel. And in this portion that we read today, it's talking about slavery and people that are sold, bought and sold, and they're owned by a an owner. And this is kind of like hard to wrap your mind around because normally in civil societies, there's liberty and there's freedom. However, even today, we have a terrible problem with human trafficking and the sex slave trade, and even children that have been brought into human trafficking. So this is not an issue that has gone away. It is very much alive and well in this world. So what about this slavery issue and what was discussed in the reading today? Basically, it's talking about how someone who has fallen into dire straits, if he sells himself, that he has a right of redemption even after he has given himself over. A kinsman redeemer can redeem him, or if he does well, he can redeem himself. And it talks about computing the price based upon how far away the Jubilee year is. Now, the Jubilee year was once every 50 years. And when the Jubilee year came, all debts were canceled. If any ancestral lands had been sold, they would go back to the original owner, back to that tribal owner, and all slaves were set free. And so this was God's way of doing an economic and financial reset every 50 years so that you don't have the problem of the rich getting richer 
and the poor getting poorer, which is what you do see today in the current very corrupt Western economic system. The rich get richer, the poor get poorer, the middle class is shrinking, and debt just piles up and piles and piles and piles up, both on an individual basis and the United States, as an example, is trillions of dollars in debt. It's a whole debt-based economy. So in God's economy, the Jubilee year was his great reset. Every 50 years, people got a fresh start. And so that was his provision. Understanding that sometimes people go through dire straits, they, they have a reversal, and so another thing, this is talking about slavery back then, when you were designated as a slave and you sold yourself into labor, hired labor. In many ways, that's kind of what we have today. People who work minimum wage and are paid very low wages, they're selling their time in exchange for money so they can pay bills. And in some ways, you could see yourself kind of as a slave if it's not a living wage. And I've met people uh, that work two or three jobs because the cost of rent and the cost of food and the cost of gas is so high, a single mom was working three jobs trying to juggle everything so she could just make basic ends meet. And in some ways, this is slavery. This is what the New World Order globalists would have. If you're not one of those that's going to be part of the depopulation effort of death by jabs, if you're one that survives, they want those that do survive to be like slaves, to, you know, serve them. So God's in God's economy, he has the jubilee year, and every 50 years there's a huge economic reset. Now let's jump into 1 Samuel chapter 2 through 4, where we read today. And we see that Eli has two sons that are out of control, that are profaning the temple, Hophni and Phinehas. And we have a prophet that comes to, Sam, uh, to Eli and speaks a word of the Lord to him. And he basically sa says to him, you have honored your sons more than me feeding on the first portions of every offering of my people Israel. And then it goes on to say, I honor those who honor me, but those who spurn me shall be dishonored. So we need to honor God first and not put more emphasis or honor on our children or our spouse or anybody. But all the honor first goes to the Lord. He goes on to say in verse 34 and 35, And this shall be a sign for you. The fate of your two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, shall both die on the same day. And I will raise up for myself a faithful Kohen who will act in accordance with my wishes and my purposes. I will build for him an enduring house, and he shall walk before my anointed forever. Now, in some ways, Samuel is a shadow picture, a type of Yeshua. Now, when the Lord first speaks to Samuel, he's not acquainted with him. 
And when the Lord calls his name, Samuel, he runs to Eli and says, yes, what's up? What, what? I'm here. I'm reporting. And he did this three times. And then Eli finally understood, oh, no, this isn't God. This is God speaking to you. So the next time he, you hear your name, you need to respond to the Lord. And so in chapter 3, verse 7, now Samuel had not yet experienced Hashem. The word of Hashem had not yet been revealed to him. So let's think about that. Let's meditate on that. Let's chew on that. Have you experienced the Lord personally? Has the word of the Lord been revealed to you inside of you in your heart? Have you heard his still, small, quiet voice? Does he speak to you? It doesn't have to be audible. It can be just a quiet little whisper from within. If not, this is something to ask him to do. Lord, I want to hear you. I want to experience you. I don't want to just know about you the way I know about Elon Musk because I read about him in the news. Or I know about Abraham Lincoln because I read about him in history books. I want to know you personally, intimately. I want to hear your voice. I want to be led and guided by you. So that's something to consider. Now, another reason why Hashem, why Samuel is sort of a, a, a shadow picture of Yeshua, because in chapter 2, verse 26, young Samuel, meanwhile, grew in grace and esteem and favor, both with Hashem and with men. Those almost those exact same words are spoken of about Yeshua when he was a young boy. He grew in grace and esteem and with favor, both with God and with men. So Samuel is a godly priest. He's a godly young boy growing up in the temple, and he's been dedicated to the Lord from birth by his mother. So now God is revealing himself to Samuel, and, and God t tells him that the two sons are going to be dealt with. Eli's sons are going to be dealt with, and that Eli will no longer have a place or a position of authority in the house of the Lord. Okay, so in verse 13, this is what the Lord says to him. He says, And I declare to him, to Eli, that I sentence his house to endless punishment for the iniquity he knew about, how his sons committed sacrilege at will, and he did not rebuke them. So Eli had a problem with rebuking and disciplining his children. And that got him into a lot of trouble. I can think of another person in the Bible who had a lot of trouble with disciplining and rebuking one of his sons, and that would be David concerning Absalom. He did not properly discipline him, and because he did not discipline or rebuke Absalom, it got so out of hand that Absalom pretty much overthrew David as the king, and, and he got evicted and kicked out of town, had to leave and flee for his life, and Absalom took over and brought great 
grace. He brought shame and disgrace to to uh, David. It's very important to discipline and rebuke our children if they are way over the line. Okay, so the Israel Bible commentary to that verse reads as follows. God tells Samuel that he will punish Eli for failing to rebuke his sons, Hophni and Phinehas, for their immoral behavior while serving in their leadership roles at the Mishkan or the temple in Shiloh. Through their actions, they profane the Mishkan and discourage people from making pilgrimages there. Consequently, Eli's sons will be killed and there will be no one left to continue his family's mantle of leadership. Instead, Samuel will become the new prophet and leader of the people. He will act the way a true leader should, traveling among the people as an inspiring role model, bringing them closer to Hashem. So that's our reading for today. There's one other verse I want to look at. And that's in chapter 4, verse 13. When he arrived, oh, uh, we have a messenger now who is carrying bad news. And there was a battle with the Philistines. And just as it was prophesied, Hophni and Phinehas both die on the same day in the heat of battle. So the messenger is running now back home to share the news of what has happened. And in verse 13, it says, When he, that is the messenger, arrived, he found Eli sitting on a seat, waiting beside the road, his heart trembling for the ark of Hashem. The man entered the city to spread the news, and the whole city broke out in a cry. The Israel Bible commentary to this verse reads as follows. After the terrible battlefield lost to the Philistines, a man from the tribe of Benjamin runs to Shiloh to deliver the news to Eli. Rashi reports a tradition that this man was none other than Shaul, who would later be selected as the first king of Israel. This is significant, as leaders of Israel are often military men. For example, Abraham, see Genesis 14, which describes the war he fought to save his nephew Lot. Moses, see Numbers 21, where he leads Israel in battle against Sihon and Og and Joshua were all spiritual and military figures. Fighting just wars is an imperative, and it is the responsibility of the Israelite leader to lead his troops into battle. Therefore, it's not surprising that the first king of Israel is also a soldier. Okay, that's all I have for today. Have a blessed day, and we will see you tomorrow. Shalom. Yevrekah Adonai Vishmerekah Adonai Vikuneka Yisa Adonai Anah
Blessing from Numbers chapter 6, 24 to 26. Adonai bless you and keep you. Adonai make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Adonai lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. <laughs>